Greg Rubel of Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We want to thank you for your interest in God's Word and this message. We pray that God puts it into your heart. What's up? You know, some of you, you might wonder, you know, what exactly is it that Shane does here all week? Um, My daughter actually asked me that this week. She said, Dad, I have no idea what you do. Well, this is one of the things I do. I, I spray weeds. I've been trying to kill these bushes for two months. I don't know why they're not dying. Why wouldn't these bushes be dying? I can't figure it out. But yeah, every week I go around the perimeter outside by the the bushes and I kill the weeds. And I found out real quick that that was something that I was going to have to do every week. Because you know the thing about weeds is weeds, they grow right back. There's this one weed in particular out there. I have a name for it, which I'm not going to tell you what its name is, but... <laughs> That weed knows me and I know him and each week I go out and I, I had that weed killed the week before because I go out and I look down at that weed and, and I mean he's brown and he's curled up and he's flat against the ground. But every week in the middle of that weed there's this little fresh green shoot and I see he's just smiling at me. He's laughing in my face, you know, trying to take me on so I, I shoot him again. But I'll tell you something that I think is a lot like a weed in our life. That's our wants. I want to suggest to you today that for many of us in our hearts, you and I, we have a want-weed problem. We have want-weeds in our heart, if you want to call them something different, you call them need weeds, want weeds, need weeds, however you would like to refer them. But you and I understand it's a common thing to have a want weed problem. I mean, do you find that in your heart, wants and needs, they can spring up incredibly easy within you? Incredibly quickly. Incredibly easily they can spring up. If so, if you find that, man, Shane, that's true, you know, once, just so quick, I didn't have it the night before, but I wake up in the morning, I have this one, I have this need, I didn't know that I had it, but I woke up and there it was. If you have that experience, I want you to know that it's no surprise today that you would experience that. It's no surprise for understand that the human heart, the human heart has the perfect conditions 
for growth. For the human heart, it has the perfect conditions. It's the, the ideal environment for want to grow within you. It's got the right amount of oxygen, nitrogen, the humidity level in your heart. It is spot on for want to grow. You know why that is? You know why want wants to grow? Why want is, is, is so easily bloomed in your heart? Well, understand. It's because originally when the heart was designed, it was designed, okay, your heart, it was made to grow. It was made to grow once. The fiercest and, and the fullest of once. Your heart, it was made, it was built to experience the fullness of joy. Encompass all desire. Your heart, it was designed for that. So our heart, it is the ideal growing environment for want. And so how easily it is then that you and I, we see want sprout up within us. We perceive a need and that sucker, man, it just, it blooms within us. It spreads and it becomes our, our focus. It becomes our center and all our attention is bent on it. We think, man, you know, I gotta have it. I gotta have this one. I gotta have this need. We gotta have it because, man, it's all encompassing. I mean, there must be my joy. There must be my happiness. There's my peace. It's that one because if I can just get that, if I can just get that one, one, if I can, you know, make this happen, if I can make this stop, if I can just get this one person that's out of my life, then I'll be good. And so our hearts, we find they grow want, they grow need very easily. So we must beware today When the writer of Ecclesiastes says, All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. What do you think that means? All streams flow into the sea, and yet the sea is never full. It's saying that that in the world there are a lot of things... There are a lot of streams that flow in to our heart. We have a lot of needs. We have many wants, but it's saying all those streams, it's saying everything that the world can pour into you, everything that your heart can think of, it will never make you full. All streams, they flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. That passage goes on. It says, the eye never has enough. The ear Never has its fill. The prophet Isaiah asks us, Why do you spend money for what is not bread and, and your wages for what does not satisfy? You know, why do you do that, he asks. Understand that you and I, we, we have want weeds in our heart. Need weeds. You have those? Understand that those weeds, they will never fill you. Those weeds, they will never give you strength. The Apostle Paul, he tells us in Philippians, now you know, I've learned, learned the secret to all that. I've learned the secret of living weed free. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4, we're going to look at it. The secret of 
contentment, this secret of living my life weed-free. So Philippians chapter 4, if you want to find verse 11, we'll pick up about halfway through there. Paul says, I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do everything through Him who gives me Strength. In other words, in other words, Paul is saying that my secret, my secret of contentment, my secret of living a weed free life, my secret, he says, is the source. He's saying the secret is the source, a life that is not dominated by desire, a life that is not dictated by my demands. The secret to that kind of a life is the source, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the one whom you were created by, the one whom we find life in. The secret of contentment is the source, for he said, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. He's saying Jesus is the source. I quoted Isaiah 55.2 earlier. And Isaiah 55.2 said, Why do you spend your money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? And then the verse goes on to say, Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. Listen carefully to me, eat what is good, and delight yourself in abundance. What's that saying? It's saying in the world there are many streams. In the world there are many weeds. And none of them will fill you. The sea, your heart, saying you will never, ever be full. You'll spend money for what is not bread, for what will never satisfy you. But through Christ, okay, it said in me, in Christ, you will eat what is good. You'll have enough. Your heart will be full. You will delight, it says, in abundance. So why do we spend our money for what is not bread? Our wages for what does not satisfy. And I was thinking about that. And, and boy, we, we spend a lot of money on what's not bread. Don't we? A lot of money on what's never going to satisfy. So we want, you know, we need, we, we spend as if, 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 as if that weed is gonna bear fruit. You know, you hear that? We, we spend, we buy weeds like they're actually gonna bear fruit. That it will actually give me something good. It's like pretending that, hey, if I, if I get this dandelion, it's gonna yield me an avocado. <laughs> dandelion, you don't get avocados. You know, from, from dandelions. You know, but we do that. I mean, we think we'll find an avocado in a dandelion. And avocados, you know, I say that's like the most 
one of the most perfect foods, you know, in all the world. I mean, the fats, you know, just right, nutrients, everything you could ever want in a, a food, the whole shebang. You can't get avocados from dandelions. You can't get them from crabgrass or chickweed or pigweed, which is my personal favorite. Pigweed. You can't get avocados from pigweeds. The weeds will not satisfy you. The weeds will not bear the fruit that you want truly and truly need. The weeds will not satisfy. They will not give you what you lack. They won't do it. So, what are we talking about here when we're talking about real bread? What does that look like? What's it taste like? Real bread. Well, I wanted to share a testimony with you. I wanted to share it with you because this guy, he ate real bread. And I think you'll hear it. So I read it to you. Now, this guy's name, his name was Augustine. And Augustine was the Bishop of Hippo. And Hippo, that's like out in what's, what's the country of Algeria now. And Augustine, and this is, this is what I want you to remember, okay? Augustine lived in the year 400. So he was born in like 354 and he died in 430. So, so remember that because we're going to come back. Augustine lived 354 to 430. Okay? And understand that Augustine, he's been referred to as many... As the greatest, one of the greatest men, one of the greatest assets that the church has ever had. You know, it's often said that uh, the greatest man the church has possessed between Paul the Apostle and Luther the Reformer is Augustine. So a lot of, you know, people say it different ways and things, but but this guy is really highly uh, thought of. And so I wanted to share with you Augustine and when he found out what truly satisfies what it tasted like. So this is it. Listen, because this is like really good. Okay, seriously. How sweet it suddenly became to me to be free of the sweets of folly. Things that I once feared, it was now joy to put away. You, talking about Jesus, you cast them forth From me, you the true and highest sweetness. You cast them forth, and in their stead you entered in, sweeter than every pleasure, brighter than every light, deeper within me than any secret retreat, higher than every honor. Now listen, he says, now my mind, it was free. It was free from the gnawing cares of favor seeking, free of striving for gain, of wallowing in the mire, and of scratching lust's itchy sore. He says, I spoke like a child to you, my light, my wealth, my salvation, and my God. That's real bread. That's, that's Augustine eating an avocado. Okay? And you know, as we talk about spending and chasing and hoping on that which is not going to satisfy, I wanted to share with you Augustine's testimony, because here's the thing. When did I say he lived? You know, the year 354 to the year 430, okay? So this man, he lived in the year 400, and what strikes me especially today about his testimony is I hear him exult 
in the abundance of God and delight, you know, not merely exist, but I mean, he was delighting in the sweetness of Christ. What strikes me is that Augustine, in the year 400, Augustine didn't need air conditioning. And he was still happy. I mean, I'm like, what? How's that? I mean, you're like sweating and you're full of joy. I mean, how can that, how can that be? There was no air conditioning back in the year 400. I mean, think about how hot it has been the last three weeks. Augustine, he didn't have that Google Nest thermostat, you know, that they have. You can program it with your uh, phone, no vivid touch display. He had no powerful quad-core processor, dual-band Wi-Fi. Augustine didn't have air conditioning, and yet he was thrilled to death. How can that be? How could that be? That Augustine, that he didn't need air conditioning in the year 400. Augustine didn't need Amazon. He didn't need Apple. He didn't need Arby's. Augustine didn't need the Avengers. He didn't even need a vino hair and body cleanser. The sun care. It's extraordinary. How could he survive? You know, that he didn't have any of those things. How could that be? Well, see, he learned the secret. Augustine, in the year 400, learned the secret of contentment. For whether in plenty or in want, he said the secret was the source. It was the sweetness, he said, of Jesus Christ. He exalted you, Jesus. You're the true, you're the highest, you're the sweetest pleasure. The sweetest that there is. He said, things that I once feared to lose, it was joy to put away, for you were sweeter than every pleasure, you were brighter than every light. We can understand that the secret stream, it is in fact the source. My want weeds, my need weeds, that I've got in my heart, you know, my gotta-haves, my must-haves, if, if I could just have this, if this would, would just happen, I'd be good. They will never accomplish your joy. They will never accomplish your joy. Hear me, they will never accomplish your joy. They won't. Now they'll scratch it for a week. Maybe. But they'll never accomplish our joy. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? For it is only accomplished in the source that is Jesus Christ. Paul says in Philippians 4, The secret to my contentment is the source. I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. So we can understand then that the secret is the source. Now I want to discuss the way towards that source. You know, how do I get there? Augustine said, you're sweeter than every pleasure. I'm like, hey, sign me up for that. I mean, I'm a sweet addict. I love what tastes sweet. I love what feels sweet. Sign me up. How do I get to what is sweeter than every pleasure? How do I get there? Well, when we talk about the secret of contentment, we can understand that the secret is the source, and the way to the source is through trust. 
Okay, the secret of contentment is the source, and the way to the source is through trust. The passage that is familiar to many of us says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. The New Living Translation rephrases it a little. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend It says, do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He will show you which path to take. In that passage, it's been paraphrased uh, like this. It says, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. So the secret of contentment, we understand is the source, and the way to the source is through trust. So the question for us today is, are you trusting in Christ? Are you trusting in Christ today? Is your heart truly trusting in Him? For the verse that said that you must trust in the Lord with all your heart. So is your heart trusting in Him today, or... Listen, is your heart trusting in Him today, or is your heart trusting in itself? Okay, is my heart, is it trusting in Jesus today, or is my heart trusting in itself? Am I trusting in the source, or am I trusting in, in the weeds? Trusting where the weeds come from, where the weeds so easily grow and thrive. Because my heart, it's the ideal environment for need weeds. Perfect growing conditions for need weeds. So is my heart trusting itself? Because that's, that's what the second part of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 talks about. It says, am I trusting in the Lord or am I leaning in my own understanding? Okay, am I depending on my own understanding, on, on my thinking, on what my heart can come up with? Is that how I'm being led by, by with, with what my heart is showing me? Because understand, This, that to trust in Jesus means to believe in what Jesus says, not what heart says. And that can be hard to hear. That can be hard for us to hear. But to trust in Jesus means to believe in what Jesus says, not what heart says. It means to believe in what Jesus says. Says, so is my heart, is it trusting today in Jesus or is it trusting in itself? For the secret of contentment is the source that is Jesus Christ and the way to the source is through trust in Him. You know, several weeks ago when I read through uh, Philippians 4, uh, my first thought or my first picture was Bob and Kathy Saylor. You know, when I read, you know, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or one, I can do everything through Him. When I read that, I mean, I thought of, I thought of Bob and Kathy. And, you know, if you're new to our church and you don't know... 
uh, Bob and Kathy, I mean, they've been a great blessing to this church for many years, and, and Bob's a cancer survivor, um, but his fight with cancer has weakened him uh, physically, and it's brought him to a point where he has to trust God for today, every day. And so when I read Philippians 4, I thought, man, i got to talk to Bob. I was like, i got to go. I got Bob, I mean, how, how can you exist? How can you, you live when you have to depend every moment for grace? So I went to go see him last week and I talked to Bob and Kathy and Bob talked about going to the garden. And he said, I have to go to the garden every day and I have to, I have to give that day to Jesus. Jesus, today is your day. Do with me what you will. And, you know, man, that got me going because I thought about Jesus, Jesus in the garden. And what happened to Jesus in the garden? Remember he was bleeding? And I was like, Bob, you know, the same way that blood's coming out of Jesus' face, same way it comes out of your neck, man. We have a God who can sympathize with every weakness today. So we must go to the garden, he said. We've got to go to the garden every day. We've got to, got to seek his face, know that he's praying for us, know that he's working on our behalf. And I, I talked to Kathy and I asked Kathy, you know what, I mean... How how can how do you live, you know, in this moment? How can you live in this way? And she said, "What ifs? I've got to give my what ifs to God." Said, "I, I can't, I can't do what ifs." She said. And man, I thought about that for the last nine days. This boy, we've got a lot of what ifs, don't we? Every single one of us here. In our heart, there are so many what-ifs. What if this happens? What if this person does this? What if this person does not do that? What if? What if? We have so many ifs. She said we've got to give them to God. Because understand this. Listen, the devil's favorite word. Turn here a little bit. The devil's favorite word. It's if. Did you know that? I've got, I've got text to prove it. I'm not just pulling that out. The devil's favorite word is if. We see him use it in Genesis 3, 5 as he tempted Eve. He said, if you eat the fruit from that tree, you will learn about good and evil and you will be like God. The devil loves the word if. He used it in Luke chapter 4 as he tempted Jesus. What did he say? He said, if... You are the Son of God. Tell this rock to become bread. The devil loves if. He said, if you worship me, then it will all be yours. If, if you are the Son of God, jump down. The devil loves the word if. For as long as you and I continue to dwell on the what ifs of this life, then we are not resting, we are not trusting, we are not experiencing the reality of He that is I am. If or I am. The devil wants if. 
The devil wants you thinking, if. Consume your heart with if. But Jesus is saying, I am. See, we have a choice today. You have a choice. If or I am. When I'm leaning on my own understanding. When I'm trusting in my own heart, overrun with want weeds and need weeds. I'm focused on if, not focused on I am. I'm not focused on Matthew 6.26 when it says, Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? You know, I was out here by the barn reading the other day and there were 12 Canadian geese that came, don't freak out, but there were 12 Canadian geese, and they weren't scared or anything. I mean, they were just out for a walk. But, but they came walking by. And I thought, man, those geese, they look like exactly the same. And I was right there. I mean, I was like 10 feet from them. So I was like, okay, I'm going to sit here. I'm on the church's time. So I'm going to sit here. I'm going to study these geese. And I'm going to find a difference between these 12 geese. I mean, there's got to be something. Somebody's feathers have got to be lighter. There's got to be a mark or a spot somewhere. I mean, these geese have got to be different. And so they came walking by. And, man, I was looking. You know, every, and I mean, I couldn't tell. You know, I couldn't see a difference in any one. I mean, they were all just, they were exactly the same. I thought Jesus knows which is which. He knows which of those birds is which. And He knows you today. Did you know that? That Jesus knows you today. And His care for you surpasses care of geese and birds. He sees you today and He knows exactly where you're at and exactly what you need. The wants that are in your heart. The needs that are so intense today. Guys, He knows those. And He's saying, not if today. I can't do what ifs. It's got to be I am. Not if But I am, it is He alone that can satisfy your heart. Paul says in Philippians 4, The secret to my contentment, it is the source. He says, I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. Augustine called Jesus His highest sweetness. He said, You, my light, my wealth, my salvation, my Lord. So contentment. Do you know what it means to be content? Like the word, you know, the definition. I know it's kind of, you know, generally if you're preaching on contentment, you would like define that at the beginning. Um, A little odd to do it at the end, but. But you know, when Paul wrote the word, 
for content, he borrowed a word that was used in philosophical circles. The learned men, they like to throw this word around lot, a lot in their discussions about life and how we live it. And the, and the word that they love to throw around was self-sufficient. So in the Greek, that word for content, it means self-sufficient. What? So understand in the Greek, Paul was saying, I have learned the secret of being self-sufficient. He's saying, I've learned the secret of becoming independent of all the external pressures that are around me. But understand that what Paul was doing, he was twisting, he was playing with this word. Because what did he say then in Philippians 4.13? He spun the meaning of that worldly word by saying, I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. So Paul was saying to the church of Philippi, he was saying to the world, he's saying to us that my self-sufficiency, okay, my ability to be independent of the external pressures around me, my self-sufficiency, it is Christ-sufficiency. My self-sufficiency is Christ's sufficiency. And it was within that context of the sufficiency of Christ that I read Isaiah 43 on, uh, on Wednesday. I read Isaiah 43 and it sent chills down my spine. Okay, look at it. Isaiah 53. It says, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. Christ's sufficiency. This is God speaking. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. Christ, I am the one who has lifted you up. I am the one who has made you free. He says, I've called you by name. You are mine. Christ's sufficiency, I have called you. When you pass through waters, I will be with you. Christ's sufficiency again when the waters raise up, when the waters rage, when when those waves are tipping over and they're about to come in. What's it say? It says, when you pass through the waters, I, Christ's sufficiency, will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. How is that possible? For I am the Lord, Christ's sufficiency. When the heat is on my tail... Christ's sufficiency. It's Christ's sufficiency that I walk through the water today that I'm able to pass through. Christ's sufficiency that I'm not scorched, that I'm not overwhelmed, and that I'm not overtaken by those flames which are real. And I can feel the heat. But it's through Christ's sufficiency that He carries me along. It's the sufficiency of Christ the ability of Christ, the excellency. Do you understand that today? That there is nothing else to want. There is nothing else to need. There is nothing greater than Jesus Christ. That you would trust in Jesus Christ today, that you would trust in Him today for your salvation, that you would trust in Him today for your sanctification, that you would trust in Him today for your strength, for another day, 
Bob and Kathy are doing that. I mean, I struggled. You know, I didn't even want to want to share it. Be just the it's reality for them. And but they said, share it, Shane. Kathy said, Bob, sharing it every day. So share it, Shane. Tell them that Christ is sufficient. When you don't know if you have tomorrow, Jesus Christ is sufficient for you. When you don't know if you have the strength to get through this day, Jesus Christ, He is sufficient for you. He knows you. and I I just encourage you to bow your head with me. All I know is that God gave us His Word so that He would be made known. And through that hearing, people could come to Him. Are you hearing of Him today? Father is longing to draw you to Himself today. Longing for you to find joy in the source. Longing for you to fall in trust before Him. Will you do that today? Can you sense the Spirit drawing you to the throne? Is the Holy Spirit asking you today, give yourself to me? Lay yourself down, give it to me, give it to me. The weeds will never satisfy. There'll always be another want. Tomorrow there will be a new need. Is the Holy Spirit asking you to give Himself, to give yourself up today? I pray that you would. Friend, can you do that? Can you just offer yourself to Christ? Say, Jesus Christ, here I am. Lift up your hands. Say, Jesus, I'm in need of you. And I won't even look. Lift up your hand and call out to Christ today. Acknowledge Him in His presence, in His sufficiency. Jesus, I need you today. Would you come and would you work a miracle in my heart? Ask Him to do that today. May I am as faithful. Father, how faithful you are to love us. You who there is the great creator who knows us, who knew us from before birth. Who designed us exactly as you desired that we might fulfill the purpose that you placed upon our life. 
God, we give ourselves to You today. We say there's nothing greater, there's nothing sweeter than to know You. Would You teach me the sweetness, enable me to taste the sweetness of the sufficiency of Christ, Christ's ability to work all good within me. Father, we love You today. So grateful that You're always with us. That You never leave us. And it's in the Son's name we pray these things. Amen.